They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. astronomer. I remember I was maybe seven or eight and I asked my father how I could do that in the future. And his answer had a great impact to me. I think that determines the rest of my career life, let's say, because he told me, well, you need to go to this specific place he mentioned. Uh, and you will need to study first physics. And then I asked, I asked more, and he said, well, you really need to be there, like doing only that and be closed there and dedicated to that. And well, in my imaginary, I saw myself, I pictured myself really closed, doing only that and nothing else than that. And I didn't like the idea. And since then, I I can never dedicate my life to study anything, fully study. I became an adventurer, an adventurer. And I was always afraid of dedicating my life to only one thing. Because for me, to be dedicated to something and study something, always meant always uh, yeah always meant to be closed somewhere like away from the rest of the world and focusing on only one thing and leaving the rest uh, out like no no having another life than than, than that than your studies and it scared me it scared me and and I just quit the idea of being an astronomer. And I could never find any other thing to be a real wise. So, yeah, I think it had a major impact on my life. What is a memory that you have that had an impact in your life? This is a question that I was asked during the second season of Salt the Podcast by Ina one of the women I spoke with for SALT. And due to her question and what happened afterwards, I named our episode Untold Stories. And if you want to listen to it, it's episode 37. I named this episode Untold Stories because her question had such an impact on me, on the episode, on her, and on what followed afterwards with my podcast project. It showed me that something happens when we unleash our untold stories, when we remember them, when we dig deep into our memories, when we reflect on them, and when we share them with each other. 
And it reminded me one more time of the wonderful feminist scholar Donna Haraway, who speaks about those unexpected openings, which are such a big part of my project. Because I believe that when we come together, we come together, as Haraway says, for the sake of the connections, for the sake of the unexpected openings that are initiated through our gatherings, which show us that community is so crucial and that it's not about isolated individuals. When I gather with souls, I don't expect something in advance. I'm open to the unexpected. I'm there in that specific moment. I situate myself in that specific moment when I speak with all of you wonderful people. And when I speak about those connections, about those unexpected openings, I want you now to picture a leaf, a leaf from a tree. When you look at a leaf, you see all these little veins. The leaf consists of those veins, right? Some leaves, of course, are bigger. They're shaped in different ways. Some have fallen on the ground. Some are on the, leaf, on, on the tree. Some are crumbled. Depends, of course, also on the season, if it's fall, if it's spring. But all the leaves consist of those veins that open up to the left and to the right and to the center. And there are little ones opening up here and there. So we are those leaves, all of us. We are different, right? We have different shapes and forms and colors. And there are different seasons in our lives. And some of us have more, more veins than others. But that's who we are. And these are those openings, our stories, our memories that are connected with each other. But we are also connected with each other because a tree consists of many leaves. Or think about a spider web and its various lines and connections. So in line with those images, especially with the one with the leaf, which I will use a few times throughout this episode, in line with those images, in line with what Donna Haraway calls those unexpected openings and with what happened when Ina asked me that question, our encounters at SALT are part of a collaborative project. They're part of this tree where we are contesting, deconstructing, passionately recreating, and where we are forming relations with each other with the hope of changing systems and perceptions. And when Ina asked me that question, and I will share my answer with you in a bit, I realized one more time how the conversations we have at SALT, how they flow into each other, how they create a space for what matters in an individualized world that constantly distracts us and disconnects us from our core and from community, and how those conversations leave room for the unexpected. And through that, we build solidarity across borders, across issues, across movements. And in addition to that, because as you all know, I like to reflect and think and connect with all my thoughts. The question that Ina asked me also made me realize why I started SOLD. Because 
as you can also read on my website, I forgot to forget. There were so many things in my head, and they still are, things that I had forgotten to forget, or maybe I refused to forget, but I kept them inside of me instead of unleashing them, instead of letting them out. And while I started speaking with people and recording conversations, I also started remembering what I had forgotten or what I wanted to forget. And I realized how much of, of that is stored in my body, in our body cells, our memories, our trauma, things that we forgot to forget or things that we wanted to forget or things that we had forgotten and we suddenly remember. So trauma and inequality and pain and beauty and love, because memories are not only negative, they're all stored in our body. And all the stories that we unleash, and I'm quoting Maya Angelou here, who says, there's no greater agony than burying an untold story inside of you. So by unleashing those stories, those lines in the spider web, the veins in the leaf, we are inviting each other to speak up, to open up, to come together, to gather and to initiate our healing path by walking together. And when I finished my conversation with Ina, she told me, this should become a question that you always ask the people you speak with. And I took her recommendation to heart. And I've been doing this ever since I spoke to her. So now you might ask yourself, what is this episode about? Why is she reflecting on all of this? Why is she sharing these thoughts with us? Because it's Soul's anniversary episode. That's why. Because on November 20, 2022, Soul turned two. And so did my daughter, Christina who was the final reason for me to create the podcast. But this year, in comparison to the year before, on November 20, I was too occupied with other things. I was celebrating my daughter. I was celebrating life. And I also didn't have the headspace to celebrate or record the anniversary episode. So I accepted that feeling and I said, it's not the time right now to do it. You're going to do it when you feel it. So I'm doing this now with a bit of a delay. And in addition to Salt's anniversary, it's also its 50th episode. 50 episodes, 50 conversations I've had. And of course, there's so much more than just the conversations. There's the meetings behind the scenes, the gatherings, the research, the conversations of record. So it's the 50th episode which is another big milestone for me and, of course, another reason to celebrate. And I decided to dedicate this episode to memories and to the impact they have had on our lives and to the importance of unleashing them and then to see what happens. So I will be sharing memories throughout this episode, including my own. And maybe I should start now or share with you what I answered to Ina when she asked me about my memory. And of course, there are many memories that we have and at different times we might answer differently. 
But in that moment, when she asked me that question, I said to her, I will share with you the first thing that comes to my mind. And what came to my mind was so unexpected to me. It was my mother sitting um, in the kitchen on a chair in the middle of the kitchen. It was a very small kitchen, but it still had a middle. So she was sitting on a chair crying. And I entered the kitchen and I'm probably around seven years old. I would say it's 1989. And I see my mom crying and I ask her, why are you crying, mom? And she tells me that she's grieving her mother. Her mother, whose name I carry, who died in 1988, way too young at the age of 56 because of pancreatic cancer, which she suffered from for around 14 months before she passed. And I remember that vividly. I remember my grandmother's pain, her struggle. I remember how much she suffered. I remember her yellow skin. I remember bags hanging from her body with liquids in different colors. I remember the hope surrounding her, the love, the anger at her situation. I remember her treatments and many other things. And of course, we wanted to save her, but we couldn't. So I'm seeing my mother in front of me, sitting there in the kitchen crying, grieving for her mother, who left way too young, who actually two months before she was diagnosed with cancer revealed to my parents that she wanted to divorce her husband, my mother's stepfather. And my father had told her, come and stay with us because we were living in Germany and my grandmother was living in Greece. But that never happened because two months later, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and 14 months later, she died. So my mother is sitting on the chair grieving for her mother and crying. So that was the memory that came to my mind. And I was so surprised about it because it wasn't something I had been thinking about lately. It was so unexpected. And then I pondered a little bit more about it after my conversation with Ina. And, and, and I asked myself, why did this memory come to my, to my mind? How did it have an impact on my life? And I reflected. And I realized that my grandmother's passing had a huge impact on my mother's life. A huge impact on her trajectory. and a huge impact on how she started viewing the world, behaving as a mother to us as children, being an immigrant in a foreign country who lost her mom and didn't really have a dad, and how this disconnection that there was nobody else behind her anymore kind of uprooted her, and how... And what it did to her being in a foreign land. Yeah. And how that, of course, had a huge impact on my life, on my brother's life, and on our family's life. So, yeah, when my mom lost her mom, her life changed, as is the case when we lose someone we love very much. And that event, of course, and the person of my grandmother is connected to other things, to what was before, to what was while she was alive to what happened after and what happens in between.
And there we see all those webbed connections. And we realize that everything is interrelated. So after that, I went on a journey, as I shared before. And I started asking people about their memories, and I still do it. And I've received many recordings from friends, acquaintances, colleagues, answers in, in the conversations that I'm having for the podcast. And I realize that on the one hand, we all forgot to forget. But on the other hand, through this question, we also remember what we had forgotten. And it shows how memories have come to us and how they influence our life. As we also heard in the introduction that I played with you at the beginning of the episode. It's a memory of a friend. And when I asked her the question and I asked her to send me something, I obviously didn't know what she would send me. And as I said, I, I didn't expect anything. But I still didn't imagine receiving this answer from her. I have listened to it so many times again and again to her voice. And every time I listen to it, it makes me sad. It touches me. And it adds to me another vein in, into the leaf, into the leaf that I have of her in my mind. And it makes me understand so many things about her and about her life. And you can see that she just asked her father a very simple question. But his answer had such a big influence on her life until today. I want to play you another memory now. That is also related to a father. It is very different, though. What is a memory that I will never forget? Although the of my children and meeting my husband, the love of my life, are definitely the most important events in my life, I choose to mention this big hug with me and my father that showed a huge acceptance and forgiveness of him. The reason I'm choosing it is because of the impact that it had on my life. Having an abusive father is really difficult to be able to see yourself forgiving him. This act of hugging and forgiveness without really saying much uh, was so important because he passed away a couple of months later in an accident. So it was really important for me to forgive him before he passed away to have this image of love and acceptance. He felt it, I felt it. And it was the beginning of letting go all the negative feelings, all the traumatic experiences. So yes, this had this act of love between the two of us. After all of these really difficult, childhood years, is a memory I, I will keep and cherish. And I will see it as the beginning of a really difficult journey or of real forgiveness of people who were really, really abusive without intention. And it gave me all the strength to walk through this journey and eventually loving all those who hurt me and passing over to my children your love and forgiveness in hope of a better future. So yes, this is my experience 
a simple act of love that shows the importance of forgiving. Even if I didn't know that he'd pass away a couple of months later, it was very, very important for me to be able to love the person that had hurt me so much. I first want to thank her for sharing this very personal memory with us. When I listened to it, I had to think of an article by Basalaki and Machet called Bhutto Gives the Feeling Back to the People. It's an article that I read a while ago. And that article speaks about how inequality is stored in the body cells and how pain is stored in our body cells. Yeah, it is stored in, in the memory of these cells. It is embodied. And this is what Basalaki and Machet call embodied cognition. And we can look um, at the body as, as being a repository, a side of a storage room of unmentionable pain and trauma. So that was the first thing that came to my mind when I listened to this memory. And then I saw, okay, on the one hand, we have this, this negative, the pain, the trauma that is stored in our body, the inequality, the abuse. But then she also mentions the hug, which is also um, a bodily thing, right? It's, it's to hug someone. It's such a strong thing to do. And hugs heal. It's, it's maybe one of those phrases that people use all the time, but it's true. She speaks about this hug, this connection with her abuser that gave her healing. So the hug is the moment that she remembers and is the hug that changed the trajectory of her relationship with her father, but also initiated something, a new connection and belief, a new line, a new vein, a new line in the spider web. And through that hug, she could break this intergenerational trauma and start raising her children in a different way by unleashing this memory, by giving it a place, by reflecting on it, by contextualizing on it. She has started a different upbringing than the one that she had experienced. And I want to thank her for, for sharing this, this memory with us. And I have to say, when, when I have these conversations, when I ask these questions, um, always something happens. <laughs> And that was also the case with Merida Miller, who is the founder and um, director of Project Fearless, which is a nonprofit organization that offers community programs to young girls and non-binary youth between the ages of 9 and 14 in Amsterdam and Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And I asked her that question, and I want to share with you what happened afterwards. And Merida, what is a memory that you cannot forget and that had an impact on you and your life? Yeah, uh, I gotta say this question really like stalled me for a second when mm. I saw it on the list. And um, it's a good one. It's a really good question. And I have so many memories. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of myself when I was little in my little red boots and thinking about the time I had to leave my red boots behind. And that was, but that's like, that's more of a visual memory and less of a like, I don't know. Obviously, it impacted me from thinking about it. But um, yeah, the one that I kept thinking of. Um, so 
uh, in 2025. Nope, we're not there yet. 2015. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's been a long week. It's Monday. Um, uh, so uh, maybe it was 2015. I'm not sure. Anyways, I was married quite young. So I married when I was 25, I believe, or 24. And it was a bad relationship. It was an abusive relationship, um, emotionally and, and verbal and started borderline physical. And going through the divorce was, was really tough, um, because I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't told anybody about the abuse. So when I finally said, like, I, I need out, uh, people were kind of confused, you know? And, and anyways, all of this, it was just, all of it was hard, right? So very hard. And I was, um, uh, I was at the barn, so I used to ride horses, and that's barn, B-A-R-N, not bar. Everybody always hears bar. Yes, <laughs> which is fair. This story would also work in a bar, actually, so <laughs> we can pretend whatever you want to visualize. And at the barn, and uh, I was taught, I used to compete horses, and my coach was there, and my coach was currently dying of cancer, and like we knew it was terminal. It was only a matter of time, and uh, but he was just this amazing guy. Like he just had the best attitude on life. He was so supportive and so funny and just, wow, he's the salt of the earth. Like really, uh, that's the only word I have for it. And it's funny because yeah, salt of the earth type person. And his name is Javier. And he asked me and he said, so when's your next competition? And I just burst in tears. I was, cause I was so um, stressed about life that I couldn't even think about competing. And then I was crying because I'm crying over this trivial thing compared to him who's like vitaling for his life and his family. And I'm just like, uh, you know, ugh, stumbling and crying. And I was like, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. Life's really hard right now. And, and, and I said, and I'm sorry that I'm crying because fuck, Javi, like you're going through some shit. And he took a second and he just put his hand on my leg and he said, because I was, I was on the horse uh, and he just said, you're going through some shit. He was like, and I'm going through some shit. And everybody, the, what the, what everybody is going through individually is the most important thing to them at this time. And that's okay. And it's important to recognize that. And it's mm-hmm. important to not, well, perhaps to compare our grief or compare mm-hmm. our situations are. Mm-hmm. But it's important to recognize that we can each be having this really horrible thing right now. And, and that's okay. And it was just this like release of like, I, you know, we can, we can coexist in this really horrible moment of each other, but with, you know, separately, but together and, and not have to hide that. Right. I think, you know, I think for me, I was really wanting to hide for a million reasons, but I also didn't want, oh gosh, he's going through such a hard time. Like my little moment in life is so trivial compared to that. And I don't want him to think that I'm not considering him or, you know, all this ruminating thoughts I tend to do. And, um, yeah, so that was just like a really great moment. And and it reminds me a lot, especially when I work with the kids in our programs, because when you're a young teen, you know, your whole world, everybody's whole world, it's so important. And it's like, and what may seem like, especially as adults, we look back and we're like, oh, friend problems. Yeah, whatever. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that is that child's whole life right now. That is their whole life. Their friends are everything. And the fact that that friend isn't talking to them, that is crushing. And let's remember that. Like, let's remember these moments. And it doesn't, you don't have to compare, oh, well, you know, that's bad. Listen to this. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. We can both be in the shit. Yeah. And let's make space for that. 
Yeah, so that was my, my moment. And shout out to Javier because he was a great, great human. Thank you for sharing. Once our conversation was published, Merida made a post on LinkedIn and other social media channels, writing, what is a memory that you cannot forget and that had an impact on you and your life? I've been lucky enough to be part of a couple of interview podcasts over the last years with founding Project Fearless. But this conversation with Salt, the podcast, was by far my favorite. Thank you so much, Stella Saliari, for creating this space and digging deep into the questions. It was beautiful to relive one of my core memories that up until this conversation, I hadn't realized how much it affects me on a daily basis. It was the first time I ever mentioned my divorce in such a public way. It's not something I'm ashamed of, but not something I usually tie to my founder story. And I try to keep it separate from Project Fearless. But more and more, I realized that all parts of my life have led me to this moment. And I'm not ashamed of any piece of them, just incredibly thankful for everyone who helped to shape and support me when I needed the most. It was so beautiful for me to read this. End of quote. It was so beautiful for me to read this, I want to say. Yeah, it, it was wonderful to, to see this, to see how this question make her feel. And again, I was one more time grateful to Ina for, for, for having had this effect on, on, on the podcast. And when Merida wrote, I realized that all parts of my life had led me to this moment. Of course, I had to think again about belief, the different veins and the stories and the, the, the people that influence us and that we are one, that we are part of this, of this big tree, that we are community, that we, we, we are, we should be in solidarity with each other. We should foster this community more. Um, look how she was speaking about Javier, the impact he had onto her life. She was going through a divorce and she felt so bad sharing this with him because his pain seemed so much worse than her because he was, he was dying, but he didn't invalidate her. He didn't. And he showed her that um, we, we can coexist with our pain and we don't need to invalidate each other and we can coexist with each other's pain and each other's feelings And look how much this has helped her on her project. She's working with youth. She's working with, with young people. And this compassion that she re received from her coach, the empathy, the understanding, um, is something that she's able to bring into her work now, that she does with the youth. Because as she says, for a young girl at the age of 10, her whole world are her friends, right? So if one of those friends one day doesn't stop talking to her, It's not something that we as grown-ups should invalidate. It's not something that we would say to her, ah, oh, come on, it's nothing. No, because for that person, this is the worst thing that is happening to her. And we should show empathy and compassion. Yeah. So thank you, Merida, for sharing and contextualizing it. And um, another topic that is very big in my podcast, in my life, are migrant stories, stories of journeys, diasporic stories. And I want to share one of those with you now. What is a memory that I will never forget and how has it impacted my life? 
One of the memories that I have is the memory of us as a family leaving Suriname in 1989 and moving here to the Netherlands. Um, I was eight years old and I was born in Suriname and I've lived there for the first eight years of my life. And I had a great life. I loved it there. I had friends, family, uh, yeah, my grandma who were basically... Uh, raised me uh, while my parents were working um, and then so, all of a sudden we moved to the Netherlands and I remember that I was super afraid afraid of um, not being able to understand the people while I was talking Dutch and they were talking Dutch as well but in my it mind I thought they would never understand me but I'll be able to make friends with I like the country Because we've been to the Netherlands before on holiday, but living there is like totally different. And for me, it was a hard time adjusting. It took me two years before I could finally say that um, I could live again and that the Netherlands is now my home. When I look at pictures of the first two years that I've been here in the Netherlands, I don't recall any memory. Um, I see no life in my face, no smile, no, yeah, nothing. And that makes me sometimes sad. Um, but I also know that I conquered it. And after two years, I finally found my own happiness again. And how it impacted my life was that um, I think I have developed some kind of um, abandonment issues. So it's not like it's not really heavy, but I do uh, like a sense of security in my life. And periods in my life, I really, really wanted it to be in control and that everything needed to be stable. And only when I was an adult, I learned to deal with the uncertainty and just letting go and yeah, let life be. But I think that form of insecurity came from that typical period of suddenly moving to another country, not knowing where you're going, not knowing how your life is going to be. And that really impacted me. So yeah, as an adult, I'm learning now again to embrace the uncertainty and just flow and let life go. She says, when I look at pictures... For the first two years, I don't recall any memory. I see no life in my face, no smile, nothing that makes me sometimes sad. But I also know that I conquered it. This caught my attention the most. And sometimes traumatic events take place. And then we don't have any memories anymore. Yeah, and in her case, the move to another country seems to have been such a traumatic experience that she couldn't recall any memories. And it shows how important memories are, how we need them. And yeah, that was something that really caught my attention when I was listening to this memory. The last one that I want to um, share today 
um, is from someone who experienced a very, very severe burnout. And I want to play a part of what she shared with me because it was a quite long recording. Um, but yeah, I, I will play it to you now. So my mind just sort of at one point gave up on me. And it was the most difficult time for me because at that point I realized that I actually don't know myself and therefore I don't know my limits and therefore I have not been respecting myself. So for me, it was a big step of stepping back, making a lot of life changes. I stepped out of my career. I dedicated much, much more time to myself. I dedicated much more time to my uh, family and my kids. It was my way of just going back to who I truly feel I should be. Um, but it was also one of the greatest moments of my life because it was my awakening moments. And fortunately or unfortunately, if I didn't go through this burnout, and I'm not saying that everybody should go through a burnout to kind of wake up, but for me, this burnout, this mental burnout that I went through uh, 2018, 2019 was my greatest awakening moment that I no longer want to live that life of um, acting a superwoman in all fields of life and in that process forgetting myself and forgetting who I am and forgetting what I want and forgetting to respect myself, basically, and my boundaries and my limits and how far I want to go. So it has been absolutely the great, the most painful. I think it's uh, very similar to birth, to childbirth. It is most probably one of the most painful moments that a woman can go through. But it's definitely, at least for me, my burnout has been definitely one of the greatest things that could have happened in my life. Because where I am right now, just a few years later, is incomparable to the person I was um, two years ago. I am much more, um, I respect myself on my many, my, so many more levels. I am able to judge whether if I do a particular step forward, if it feels right or not. And if it doesn't, I simply don't do it. I no longer care if I would, what the society, my family would think of me, whether they would consider me weak or not, because it was something that I had in my mind before. If I don't do it, people will think I'm weak. I no longer have that. I no longer have that fear of disappointing myself or disappointing others. And the interesting thing is that I now uh, respect myself more and feel much more fulfilled than before. Um, I've been able to step into the uh, entrepreneurial journey, start my own business, start my own business, um, and really do step by step the things where I feel I'm much more myself. And in a lot of cases, I still have to pull the handbrake and say, no, this is it. I stop here because it's simply not the step further doesn't feel right it just for for now at this point of time that step further doesn't feel right so i have been able to get to know myself so much better thanks to my um, the most painful and yet the most beautiful moments in my life she forgot who she was and through 
this event through the memory that she shares with us, through the memory of the burnout, she remembered who she was. And she really got to know herself. And there's a quote um, by Naira Wait that, that comes to my mind that reads, be softer with you. You are a breathing thing, a memory to someone, a home to a life. So she remembered herself and she became softer in herself. She had forgotten herself. She had forgotten what she needed. She had forgotten to love herself. She had forgotten or maybe never learned to put boundaries. And that burnout reminded her of something. And that memory of hers, of that burnout, of how she felt. And that memory had a huge impact on her life and initiated a change. So today, for those of you listening, and as a closure to the anniversary episode and the 50th episode, which I hope you did enjoy, there was lots of reflection, lots of sharing, lots of freestyle from my side. Uh, but I want to finish today with uh, one of my, yeah, with one of the women that, that I love a lot, I admire a lot, Audrey Lord. Those of you who've been listening to Salt and have been following me on my social media know how much I love her. And I've also honored her a few times on, on episodes. I mention her quite often. And I want to finish uh, with a quote by Audrey Lord. And I also want to finish with it as an invitation to all of you. Think about a memory that maybe you've forgotten. Think about a memory that you want to unleash, that you want to share, that you want to reflect on. And for now, <laughs> listen to Audrey. I was going to die sooner or later, whether or not I had even spoken myself. My silences had not protected me. Your silences will not protect you. What are the words you do not yet have? What are the tyrannies you swallow day by day and attempt to make your own until you will sicken and die of them still in silence? We have been socialized to respect fear more than our own need for language. I began to ask each time, what's the worst that could happen to me if I tell this truth? Unlike women in other countries, our breaking silence is unlikely to have us jailed, disappeared, or run off the road at night. Our speaking out will irritate some people, get us called bitchy or hypersensitive, and disrupt some dinner parties. And then our speaking out will permit other women to speak until laws are changed and lives are saved and the world is altered forever. Next time, ask, what's the worst? That will happen. Then push yourself a little further than you dare. Once you start to speak, people will yell at you. They will interrupt you, put you down, and suggest it's personal, and the world won't end. And the speaking will get easier and easier, and you will find you have fallen in love with your own vision, which you may have never realized you had. And you will lose some friends and lovers and realize you don't miss them, and new ones will find you and cherish you, and you will still flirt and paint your nails, dress up and party, because as I think Emma Goldman said, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. 
And at last, you will know with surpassing certainty that only one thing is more frightening than speaking your truth. And that is not speaking. So think about your silences, your memories, the things you need to unleash. Think about the leaf, all the different veins, the different structures, the different leaves, the tree, the community, the solidarity. And remember that we are love, community, and struggle. And we walk with our arms raised high. Thank you so much for all your support throughout these more than two years now of SALT. For all your love, for the sharing, for the gatherings, for the coming together. SALT is in the process of evolving and uh, I'm in, in a process of change. And there will be changes, which I will share more in the future. But for now, I want to leave you with Audrey and with a lot of love. Thank you for everything. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Salieri, and this is Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast.